Hello, this is Mike Van Meter. Welcome to Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me, and you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This episode is sponsored by FHE Health, a substance abuse and mental health treatment center specializing in treatment for first responders' needs, including PTSD, anxiety, and substance use. Take the first steps to a better life today by visiting FHEHealth.com. So one of the things that we run into in recovery is uh, relapse. You know, relapse is not something that has to happen, but it does. Unfortunately, it happens more often than not. And the important thing is that if you relapse, to come back, you know, to put your boots back on, so to speak, get back on the horse and get back into trying again and to celebrate the amount of time that you got because we know that every day sober is difficult, particularly early early on in the program in particular. And that's the important thing is to keep coming back and keep trying and and learning from what happened. Because earlier in this podcast series, I did a podcast on the five-year cycle, meaning in those first five years of recovery, what is your body going through? What is your mind going through? Because we know that addiction is a disease of the not only the body, but of the brain. And the whole time that your body is trying to get well and rebalance, your brain's telling you that you don't have a problem. And so this is the disease that tells you that you don't have a disease. And that's what makes it especially difficult. And I know that in my own journey, that first 30 days was the most difficult part. I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm close to nine years now, but that first year was much more difficult than it is now. And that's just because, you know, your body rebalances um, you develop a program of recovery that works for you, you know, works on your own, and it just gets easier over time. It does not mean that you ever, ever let your guard down. In fact, I think uh, in my own recovery, that's the challenge that I have is to always remember that I cannot go back and to forever be vigilant. So we had Katrina from Florida uh, talk to us uh, a couple weeks ago about um, reaching the 30-day mark, and that is such a fantastic accomplishment. It is. And But like a lot of people, um, Katrina had a relapse here recently, and she was willing to come back and talk to us about it so we can all learn, and she can learn from it. And with that, we have Katrina on the line. Katrina, welcome. Hey, thank you. Well, tell us what happened. Kind of walk through what uh, what happened with the relapse. Because you did have 30 days, which is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, I was 67. I actually had picked up my 60-day chip like a week prior. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what happened? Walk us through it. Um, well, kind of like you said, you can't let your guard down. Um, I had quit taking my abuse. Um and this sounds really kind of weird, but I, it's actually kind of like I planned to relapse, even though I really didn't plan to relapse, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, cause looking back, you know, it's been a week now since I relapsed. It was last weekend I went drinking. Um, you know, I had to take, quit taking my, my abuse, Um, and then I had to like kind of keep track of the days I wasn't taking it to make sure I wasn't going to like get violently ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know at one point I lost track of how long I had been off of it. Um, and then, you know, I didn't tell anybody, I didn't tell my sponsor, I didn't tell my husband. Um, and the back of my head, I was thinking, well, you know, the end abuse has become a crutch and I can't take it forever. So why not stop now? Um, yeah, bad, bad, bad idea. Um, and I was at a bonfire with some friends just hanging out, having a grand old time and they were drinking and normally in the first few months or whatever, I didn't really bother me. I was like, they can drink. I can't, they're not like me. It's okay. 
Um, and this night, for whatever reason, it just, the beer sounded really good. Um, I stopped fighting the, the, the urge and um, started off just having a little sip and I swished it around in my mouth and spit it back out, trying to make sure I wasn't going to get sick. <laughs> um, and uh, nothing happened after that. So um, then I just started drinking. Um, and then, of course, before I knew it, I, I don't even know how many I had that night. Um, but yeah, so that's what happened. And then, uh, I know Tuesday I was going to be on the, you guys had the zoom meeting yeah, and I, I didn't log in. And apparently I guess everybody knows when an alcoholic goes silent, that's never a good thing. Um, I just felt like so guilty, so shameful. Like I could not believe that I slipped up and like 67 days just gone. Yeah. Um, you know, went back to isolating myself, didn't talk to anybody. Um, didn't even, like I said, didn't even get on the zoom call. Um, and that's when I think you texted me, Marianne texted me and I was like, no, I can't, I can't get on. I can't. Um, but I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I was, I have Thank to say, you. I was kind of, I was kind of shaming you into coming to the meeting too, wasn't <laughs> oh, I? Yeah. I said, because you said you were going to get on and then you had the blank screen and I said, well, there, there must be, it looks awfully dark in that room because I don't see your picture. (laughs) You're not calling. Is there something I need to get my phone checked out? Because uh, I know you're, I know you're not ignoring me. I'm I'm texting you and you're not getting on. So there must be something wrong with my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but you came back. That's the important thing. I did. I did. Um, And I think that's part of. That's part of it is just like sucking up the pride and just being like, hey, you know what? I screwed up, but here I am. I got to try again. Um, it's like being a horseback rider. When you fall off the horse, you get right back on. Yeah. Uh, as much as you don't want to, as much as you're afraid to kind of confront it, you have to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I'm really glad that I got back on that meeting and I've uh, been going back to meetings in person down here um, and back on my interviews. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I just, it sucks that it happened, but um, definitely a learning experience. Um, If I had any doubt in my mind about like how, I guess, addictive and just how serious alcoholism is, like, (laughs) there's no doubt now. Um, And I, I just keep thinking how lucky I am that nothing really happened that night. Like I made it home and everything was fine and nobody got hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, alcohol definitely had a hold of me that night and won the fight. Well, and and so it's interesting because I've, I've talked about this before that we talk about it, it won the fight and just think about how you phrase that. I've always talked about addiction is being almost like a spiritual being and, and i'm not getting weird religious on people i'm just saying I, I know that that's the feeling and maybe katrina you can relate to this too it feels like you're in a fight with a person doesn't it right Absolutely, it feels like you're wrestling yeah. with a person and you wrestled you know you're, you were wrestling every day mm-hmm. and then on that particular day you were you wrestled but it won and, it, and it's funny because that's how we talk about people right that's how yeah, I, yep. I you know we wrestle people we don't wrestle things we wrestle people right. uh, or living you know living things you know you can wrestle a, a gorilla you can you can you know wrestle anything we can wrestle spirits but that's how it feels and those of you that are listening that have that struggle with this probably can relate to that feeling of 
wrestling this being, this this thing, it talks to you, and it won that day, right? Yep, yep. It's and almost so, like you're in a fight with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like a voice inside your head. Because mm-hmm. the fact is, you, you didn't, I mean, let's be honest, the decision to drink really was not made during the bonfire. No, it was huh. really not was made, made that night. That. It was days probably, maybe even mm-hmm. a couple of weeks prior to that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I had to plan for it. Um, you know, I had to come off the abuse. I had to think, okay, well, how many days has it been since I've been off of it? Am I going to get sick? Um, so, yeah, I mean, as much as I really didn't plan on relapsing, I, I did. <laughs> well, what's important in all this is that you go back, and each time we relapse, and in my own history, I had many, many relapses, but I did learn from each each one of them, and I think in this one, there there's a lot to learn, a lot of a lot of takeaways. Mm-hmm. And and I have I have my own thoughts, I have my own opinions about you know from watching you from afar, what <laughs> what my opinions were. No, I mean it, it's it, it, be honest with you, it's it's you see it if you're around recovery enough, you see it in people. It's it's not you're not unusual in that regard. But let me ask you first, and walking mm-hmm. back on it, like if you could rewind time, what were the things that were happening? And what would you do differently today to kind of intercede before it happened? Uh, what was happening? Because um, 67 days it, is a fair yeah. amount of time. That's a fair amount yeah, of time. Yeah, I know. I was excited. Yeah. Um, and you should be. You should be. <laughs> but but somewhere in there, something started, something started creeping in. And, and yeah. what was that? probably just going through like the emotional stuff, like starting to feel things that I haven't really had to deal with sober before. Um, you know, coming up on the year anniversary of my dad's passing, Mm. um, at the end of this month. And I think just kind of thinking about that and thinking about other emotional things that, you know, as alcoholics drinks, we don't have to do that. Um, just made me like, okay, I just need to drink. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's dealing with the emotional part. Is this the first anniversary of your father passing away? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So a big that's a big event, right? Big yeah, event. Yeah, the, the whole month has been huge because we had what would have been his seventy first birthday, um, him and my mom's fiftieth wedding anniversary, mm. and his anniversary of all in the same month. Okay. So so there there's the emotions, right? And mm-hmm. so as we've said before, the the twelve step programs are designed, uh, and a lot of people don't understand this. 12-step programs are not designed to keep you or to stop you from drinking. They're actually Correct. designed to keep you from starting drinking. And that's yep. that, that sounds very nuanced, but it's actually not. It, it's designed to keep you from starting drinking, and a lot of people don't understand that. And so what the 12 steps are designed to do is help you deal with emotions differently mm-hmm. than what you did in the past. Because what we do in the past is we have uh, a big anniversary like this. We have something coming up, and our way of dealing with that is to numb it out by drinking. Yep. So now, yep. we can, now we have to find new ways of dealing with that. And and this is very new. It's very, it's very fresh to you. And, oh, and yeah. it's a matter of – and you've not been through – all of the 12, you couldn't in, in 67 days, couldn't no. possibly, not, you could not have been through the 12 steps in any the meaningful, correct way. <laughs> yeah, yes. correct and meaning it deep in a, in a deep way. So that's completely that, understandable. So that's uh, probably that was part it. of it. That's probably part of it as well is that I had just started working the fourth step. 
um, you know, going through all like the resentments and fears and all that good stuff. And it's like, Oh wow, that hurts. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about people who I know I should forgive and, and get over that. I'm just like, no, I can't like that person really like, hurt me or really screwed me over and Mm -hmm. you know how dare i have to think of them as as being ill themselves and how dare i have to forgive them Mm -hmm. um it's it's tough it's really hard yeah well Um, and in fairness that that part of what the part of what you're talking about is actually much later in the program that's steps eight and nine that you're talking about and (laughs) so but here but you know what but that's that's something that have again lessons learned you see Uh you're you're thinking ahead and you're thinking well i've got to make that list of of people that i've harmed and I've got to go make direct amends to them. That's eight and nine, but you're on step four, right? And yes. the problem is, is that we the, the steps are in order, and they're in order for a reason. So we are ready when that time comes to do to execute that that step. The problem is that a lot of people come in, and I and I see this a lot with people I work with. Um, they come in and they they understand step one, right? I'm powerless over alcohol. My life's become unmanageable. Powerlessness, unmanageability. They they get it. I mean, yeah. that's why you're there, right? Powerlessness, <laughs> exactly. unmanageability. It's like I got no problem with that, right? And then uh, you know, like a week later, they're like, oh, I get it. I can't drink. Uh, this is fantastic. Um, they call it the pink cloud. I'm riding that pink yeah. cloud, and it's all great, and that's awesome. And you know what? I was really crappy when I was drinking and drugging, and and I know I burned every bridge out there, and I made a lot of enemies. You know what? I'm going to go tell them how sorry I am. So I'm going to run out, and I'm going to do that right now. Uh, wait a minute. That's so. So what happens is, you know, people do step one, they do step mm-hmm. nine, which is amends, and then step twelve is to go out and spread the message to everybody else. So it's like, okay, I get it. I'm powerless. Uh, my life's unmanageable. I'm really sorry. And hey, you should do this too. So that's one, nine, and twelve. Problem is, there's a whole lot of other whole steps lot. there. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> that we just exactly. lost right over or didn't even look at. And uh, the problem is, is that um, it, at this stage of the game, early part of the game, we aren't ready to go make amends, and they aren't ready to hear amends. Uh, we, yeah. we got some work to do. So again, that's a very, very common thing that that we see. So um, see, so you're seeing that, right? Oh yeah, yep. So what else? What else did you notice? Uh, well, I noticed like when I was the first sixty something days, I was like so much happier, so much clearer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just awesome. And then once I did drink, it was just like this, this really horrible guilt. Like I couldn't let anybody know because I was so ashamed of what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah, that was that was probably why I didn't get on the Zoom call. Um, probably why I isolated myself and you know didn't talk to anybody. Um, and of course, like I know darn good and well, I could have called my sponsor. All I had to do was pick up the phone. But there's that whole like pride thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which we all have. And, we all have that. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, calling and asking for help. It's like, hmm. Um, yeah, I could call them, but if I do, they're just going to try to talk me out of it and I'm going to drink. Um, I, I really weird how like I didn't want to drink, but I did want to drink and I just gave in more to the I'm going to go ahead and drink. Um, and anybody that has any amount of time under their belt, I strongly suggest don't give into it. Uh, the guilt and shame is awful. Like it's really bad. Yeah. You know, it's funny and may- maybe you can relate to this. Uh, I heard it once said. That and we're we're talking about AA here, and I want to make it very clear to the the listeners that um, you know we're we're talking about AA because that's the program that the Katrina is referring to, 
But if you're working another program out there and it's working for you, by, by all means, stick with that. But we are we are talking AA here. Um, I, I heard it once said that once you get a dose of AA, you go to an AA meeting and you listen to what the solution is, your drinking is just never the same. No, you, it's you, not. You never, I mean, I know I didn't. I, and by the way, I, I drank for a long time after I went to my first AA meeting. But it was never the same for me after that because it was like I knew once you've been exposed to the truth of what's going on with you and you know it and you know that it's the truth, but you're not living the truth. I I just Uh it just I never enjoyed I could never really enjoy my drinking again after that. Did you feel that way? I did. I totally did. I know there's a solution out there and I chose to ignore it. Um, while I was drinking, like all I could think about honestly was like, oh my gosh, like I just threw away however many days and okay, well now do I have to go pick up another white surrender chip? Do I have to go back to saying, hi, my name's Katrina and I'm an alcoholic every meeting for the next 30 days. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's all I could think about while I was drinking. It wasn't, it wasn't as fun. Um, yeah. And even like that night going to sleep, I was just, like I said, just, you know, shame and remorse, like almost in tears. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that to get up and go out and do it again the very next morning. <laughs> That's the disease. Um, yeah. You know, trying to get rid of that guilt, shame and all that. Um, and then same thing, you know, yeah, it, drinking didn't get rid of any of that. It was just like, okay, great. Well, now here I have to go tell them again. <laughs> well, it, it seems like it actually, whatever problems you had going on that led to you drinking are still there, but now you just added some problems, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's how I felt about it. And when I, you know, when I got into sobriety, it was, and and even the next day, you know, depending on your work situation, if you're, you know, nobody's going into offices now, but you know, I was going into offices and, and I used to really feel self-conscious about, cause you know, when you're drinking, that much, you know, like I would drink a lot the night before and mm-hmm. then I would go to work and let's say they had a 7 a.m. or an 8 a.m. meeting and you'd have to be in a room full of people. And I was always just very paranoid, like, can they smell it on me? You know, that 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 day after type of, you know, they, they, they could smell it. And I would, I always remember that, which just gave me a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. And, you know, now, so now you might have all kinds of problems with me. <laughs> you, you may think <laughs> I'm incompetent at work. You may think you may have a lot of problems with me. But I'll tell you what, the one problem you're not going to have is me smelling like alcohol the next day. So at least it removes that that anxiety yeah, from it, you yeah. know. So, um, yeah, I know I was like trying to even hide it from my husband. So, mm-hmm. you know, even coming home from the party that night, you know, I stopped and I grabbed like Tic Tacs or Mentos or whatever. So I'm just like can't smell it on me. He's going to be so disappointed. Um, and that's the other thing is like worrying about what other people think. Like my mm-hmm. husband has been nothing but supportive of me through all of this. Um, Good. and then to, to come home and be like, Oh my gosh, like I got to hide this from him. And then of course, you know, I can't hide it from him, your husband for long. So of course I told him and it was like, okay, honey, don't beat me up anymore that I'm beating myself up. And, you know, just to disappoint him, um, you know, when he's been nothing but supportive of me through all of this, what was hard. Well, let me ask you, what, was he disappointed or was, does he understand the seriousness of the disease? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I think he really was disappointed in me, um, or for me is, I think, a better way to yeah. word it, disappointed for me. Um, he's starting to understand a little bit. Um, not being an alcoholic himself, I don't think he realizes like how hard it really is. He knows it's difficult, 
Uh, and I know every step of the way he kept telling me, Hey, you're doing great. Don't give up now. Um, you know, he actually is making sure I take my interviews now, looking over my shoulder, making yeah. sure that I take it. Um, cause I, I know he likes me being sober. Um, uh, so yeah, more, more like disappointed for me, not in me, I should say. Yeah. And that's an interesting concept because when I say interesting concept, the idea of your husband being involved in helping you take your medication, because that's interesting, because that's also the same tactic that I used. You know, again, you know, people do different things, but that was a tactic that I had used. Now, I don't necessarily recommend that for everyone. You know, everybody's situation is different. Some people are exceedingly private about their recovery, and nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. What I did um, was actually kind of the opposite. You see, because really my drinking... Um, or the people around me, it like my drinking wasn't a secret. Like, who is this a secret to? Like, they all knew it. They all wanted me to get help. And so when I got help, what was it like? Okay, all of a sudden, this is a secret? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And so in, in my world, um, my wife was definitely involved. And my wife is a, a recovery warrior. You know, she's a big Alan Honor and big recovery warrior. Uh, but even the people that were close to me at work, um, I made sure that they knew if, you know, if they didn't already knew, but I made it clear to them that I was in recovery and I was serious about it. And the reason why I did that is because we traveled a lot, you know, particularly my early days in recovery. Uh, we, we traveled around the world. I went overseas and, you know, when you go over to certain parts of the world, you know, drinking is just very much part of the, um, the, culture. the culture, you know, on, on the airplanes, even you take international flights, they give you alcohol. Um, we would do training with agencies overseas and they would drink during the day, like in the, like during the day in the training that we were providing and they would provide alcohol. And I, you know, I made sure that the people that I was traveling with my coworkers knew that I was in recovery so they could, you know, um, a, they wouldn't tempt me and they could, they could assist me in getting out of those precarious situations. And it worked and it worked for me. But again, that's a personal that's a personal decision. So I'm glad that your husband is helpful. And, and for the people that are listening, if you have people in your life that can help in that, it's a great it's a great benefit. Because do, do you think that that really has helped you? You like that 67 days that you got? Oh, Was your husband been, a big part of that? Oh yeah, he's been a big help. Mm-hmm. Um, from like, hey, we can't go to this restaurant because you're going to want to drink too. You know, the Super Bowl, hey, we're not going to go to a Super Bowl party. We're going to stay here at the house. That way you're not tempted to drink. Um, Is that what you guys did during the Super Bowl? Yep, just hung out at the house, just the two of us, and just on the couch, watched TV, had popcorn, and enjoyed the game. Um, And I actually remember who won. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're in Florida, too. so Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and by the way, if this is years down the road, people are listening to this podcast. uh, The Buccaneers did win this year, so that's that's why I say that. Tom Brady's number seven. (laughs) That's right. <laughs> oh, and I grew up in Florida, and I re- I remember when I was a kid, the Buccaneers um, started, and they were horrible, horrible, yeah, back then. Oh my gosh! So it's good to see where they are now. Well, we're gonna um, let me just uh, put in this word from our sponsor, and then we'll talk about where we're gonna go from here. Katrina, how's that? Works for me. All right. So this episode is sponsored by FHE Health. FHE Health has been providing life changing behavioral health services for more than twenty years. They treat substance abuse and mental health disorders in an individualized and comprehensive approach. Recognizing the specialized treatment needs of the first responder community, they've created Shatterproof, 
a dedicated program for law enforcement, fire, rescue, and similar communities to receive the treatment among their peers. They're experienced in providing privacy and working with unions for employment. FHE Health is committed to providing the best care experience for our patients, for their families, and for our community. Learn more at FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com, and they really do have a good program. So, Katrina, um, so a lot of lessons learned, and what I really, really like about you is that you have responded to the suggestions, and that was a big problem with me and a big problem with most of the people I work with is um, when they go out and relapse, we don't see them again. Um, that's typically what happens. But you, on the other hand, uh, show that desire, show that desire. And you came back um, in the, I, I knew that you were embarrassed. I knew, I knew, but that's so typical of it. I was the same way because you know what, Katrina, and I, maybe get your thoughts mm-hmm. on this. We've talked about this before, that people look at addiction as being a moral issue, meaning um, like you screwed up. And in fact, uh, to be honest, I, you, you even you even use that term tonight. I screwed up and I went out and I drank. Okay. Yep. And I think that that's, that's what we have to attack is not, it was not that you screwed up. You didn't screw up. You just are suffering from the disease, the disease that is of the mind and the body. And your mind is telling you that you don't have the disease and it's coming at you. It's very unique in that. It's not a matter of screwing up. It's just the disease itself. But what you are doing is you came back and said, okay, I'm going to start this again. And that is to be commended. And anybody out there that has gone through what Katrina has gone through, understand it's not the end. Just get back up. You know, it's not about being knocked down in life. It's not what you do when you get knocked down. It's it's what you do uh, when you get back up or if you get back up, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. And you yeah, got yeah. back up, and yeah. here you are, and you're and, you're back at it, and that is what is important. And the cool thing is, when I did finally go to an in-person meeting here in Florida, um, of <laughs> course, you know, you have to go and like that whole you know rigorous honesty honesty thing yeah. that it talks about in the big book, and that we read from the forms every meeting. You really have to be if without that rigorous honesty, like the program's not going to work. I stepped back in the rooms and I had to do, like I mentioned before, the whole, you know, my name's Katrina and I'm an alcoholic within my first 30 days again. Uh, most of the people there I know. And nobody looked at me like, oh, how dare you? Or, you know, like, oh, yeah, okay, well, you're not going to make it. Everybody was just happy that I was there. Yeah. I mean, truly happy, um, welcoming me back with open arms and the topic for the night was even on, on relapse and people were like, look, you know, you were only out for, for a few days. That's awesome that you got back so quick. Like most people don't get that opportunity to come back. That's true. Um, That's true. And, and that really stuck with me too, because it's like, wow, you know, yeah, I got lucky. Nothing happened. I got lucky that I can come back and I can sit in this chair and I can listen to these people uh, and learn from them and learn from my mistakes and help others hopefully learn from, from my mistakes. And that's, just the power of God right there. It is. And they are absolutely right. And there is no judgment. 
whatsoever. Did, did anybody judge you in that meeting? None, not no. a single person. And when you came on our Zoom, now you're talking about a meeting in Florida, and then you came yes. to the. Uh, now I, I have to admit, I kind of shamed you into coming to our <laughs> meeting. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> but uh, it, it, for our audience, you know, our audience has to know that I'm, I'm retired law enforcement, and so is Katrina. Okay, and that's just how we treat each other. It's, exactly. It's on out of love. We just kind of yep. shame each other into into doing things. But but the shame was to get you to the meeting, and then once you were at the meeting, then did you did you feel any judgment at all once you were there? None, none at all. Yeah. None at all. Uh, even like towards the end of the meeting. Uh, people were waving, saying hi. So that was really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's always good to see people come in. Everybody in that room, because uh, the, the Zoom meeting that we have, I, I know most of those people pretty well. Uh, they, they've all gone through it, and they, they've all gone through their own own relapses. And uh, it's just – so what will you do moving forward? And we'll, we'll kind of wrap up with this. Moving forward with the lessons that you – learned from this experience what are you going to do differently i'm not going to be so prideful uh what's that saying pride goes before the fall mm -hmm. um i'm just going to suck it up and regardless of how bad i want to drink and want to do things my own way i'm going to pick up that phone um nobody on the other end of the phone can force me to do anything i don't want to do but they can True. be there and i can tell them what's going on and we can talk through it um, I think you've told me before, most urges don't last, but maybe 15 minutes usually. Mm -hmm. So I can talk on the phone for 15 minutes and hope it, you know, it passes. Um, and if not, well, I'm sure you, Marianne, or even some of the girls down here won't mind staying on the phone with me for however long it takes. Um, so yeah, that, that would be one, the big thing. Um, and if I do decide to go to a little hangout party with people, with friends, I just have to make sure that somebody there, I can tell them, Hey, look, uh, this is going to be really hard for me. Please help keep an eye on me. Babysit me. Uh, don't care how childish it is. Don't let me drink. Um, I know ultimately it's my responsibility, but it doesn't help to have the accountability. Um, and if it's that tough of a day, then I'm just not going to go hang out. I'll just come home. Or leave early, right? You can, you can exactly. always leave. Yeah. Exactly. There are manuals, and just, just so you know, Katrina, and for anybody that's listening, there are uh, there is literature out there that actually talks about um, – with the different ways, different methods, different tools that you can utilize, uh, particularly in early recovery, uh, you know, different techniques that you can use about, you know, A, don't go if you feel like that you're you're not. We call it the spiritual condition. If you don't feel spiritually ready to go into to different areas, because oftentimes there's that question. I get asked it all the time. Hey, so does this mean, Mike, that you're, you know, you're alcoholic, you're in recovery? Can you, like, you can't go to parties, you can't go to bars, you can't, is that, is that right? And the answer is no, that's actually not true at all. Um, we don't, we don't shy away from events where there's alcohol. I don't anymore. Um, but it, it's, it's all contingent upon your spiritual fitness is what we talk about. Are you spiritually ready? So you notice that, you notice how spirituality keeps coming back into to play here and if I'm not spiritually fit, if I feel uneasy, if I have a lot of things going on in my life, like, you know, what happened with, with you, you know, with the anniversary of your father's death coming up, you're probably not spiritually fit right now because you're, you know, you have that emotional, 
um, instability, those emotions going oh, through. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's not a good time. Okay. And right. I've had that. I've had, well, my entire first year was that I, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything, but not today. I mean, I have business meetings in bars. Uh, I travel, I, I'll even sit with people and have meetings or even social functions where people are openly and drinking heavily in front of me. And it, and it, I've not even felt tempted, but I only do that when I'm spiritually ready to do it. Um, but again, you know, the, those people also know that I'm in, in recovery. Um, and, and you, but you always have an exit strategy too. And that oh, is yeah, when, it, yeah. when it becomes overwhelming, you just leave, you know, just right. leave. Yep. Making phone calls to, to sponsors and to people. That's another, another thing that you can do. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, you, you talked about the support of your husband. Fantastic medication. If you are on medication, um, don't stop taking it. Mm-mm. No bad decision. No bad call. And by the way, uh, now you're talking about an abuse, which helps mm-hmm. you. It makes you ill if you if you drink on on it. But a lot of other people will be taking antidepressants, or they'll be taking you know some sort of uh, SSRIs or S uh, uh, SRNIs and things like that. What people don't realize is that when you take some of those medications, oftentimes they are not even fully effective for like four to six weeks, sometimes a couple right. of months. And, you know, those are things, you can't just take those and say, you know what, this isn't working, so I'm going to stop. No, it takes, a, it takes a while for that to take effect. And drinking on top of that really negates Oh, yeah, not a, good, not a good call. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, think about alcohol as a depressant, and then you're taking an antidepressant. Yeah. Yeah. Do the math. <laughs> yeah, and it just, well, it, it just disrupts the whole, the whole plan that you have. Right. Um, any other takeaways that you have? Um, just don't be afraid to get back into a meeting. Uh, don't be afraid to tell somebody the quicker you can get back up, the easier it's going to be. Yeah, I, I, I so agree. Well, I am so glad that you're back and doing it. And how many days you got now? Uh, tomorrow will be a week. That is phenomenal. That is <laughs> phenomenal. Good for you. That is fantastic. Yep. Yep. Hopefully I'll make it make it a little bit longer this time but for now that's the other thing too is just take it one day at a time don't start looking at weeks days months just focus on today that's it that's it you know because when you think of sobriety you think oh my god i i can't drink for the rest of my life or the next 30 years are you kidding me the, the thing is you just don't look at it in those terms you look at but it you as, can't. i'm just not going to drink today that, exactly that's all you think about i i heard it in a meeting uh i think it was the thursday night meeting i went to uh, one guy looked at it a little different. He's like, when I want to drink, I just tell myself, not today. I can wait till tomorrow. Yeah, and that's I, right. And then tomorrow comes and be like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to push it off again till tomorrow. The, that's like the only good thing of procrastination, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, it, it, recovery is the only time where procrastinate. That's a great way of looking at it. Is, this is the only time in your life where procrastinating actually is a good thing, right? Exactly. It's I'll just acceptable. put it off. I kept keep putting it off. Like, you know, everything else I put off. Well, why not yeah. put off my drinking? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's a great idea. Well, I am so glad that you're back, Katrina. And uh, it's been a joy talking with you. And, um, you know, once again, guys, this episode has been sponsored by FHE Health. According to SAMHSA, first responders are 30% more likely to develop behavioral health conditions like PTSD. FHE Health specializes in getting first responders better and cleared for duty. 
Find out more at fhehealth.com, fhehealth.com. And again, this is Recovery is Possible. I'm Mike Van Meter. Visit our Facebook page, and uh, which is called Recovery is Possible, and our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. Katrina, thank you again for joining us, and we will talk to you next time.